Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. My name is Tim Grady, and I'm here with my co-host, Lou Weiss, and we are going to be learning today about something that... Uh, I was unfamiliar with. Uh, it's uh, kind of a development on Industry 4.0. We, we once had a guest on, Lou, as you recall, saying Industry 4.0 actually excludes an entire iteration of industry. It should be 3.0. But uh, that being said, we're going to be learning about manufacturing 4.0. So we look forward to that in our discussion coming up shortly. And... Uh, Lou, hopefully you've got all the paperwork in front of you, and we're going to be talking to Keith Barr, who is present CEO of Leading to Lean, about this subject. Interesting, huh? Well, I had, the, I had an advantage over you because I spoke to Keith on the topic, and I found it quite fascinating. So um, I'm going to just leave you in the lurch because you don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> So, Keith, uh, let's take it away. Let's talk about uh, your company and uh, uh, leading uh, to lean and uh, tell our audience what it's about. And then we'll get into a little deeper about how to go about it, what to do about it, and how's it going to help our manufacturing sector, which always needs help. Well, I appreciate that, Lou. Uh, it's great to be here today. Thanks uh, to both you and Tim for uh, having us on the show. Um, Lean to Lean is a cloud-based software solution for managing manufacturing operations. So the plant floor is a busy place. There's a lot of things going on, and, and our objective is to really bring sanity to that chaos by providing visibility and actionability um, to the plant floor employees. So our focus is very different than most manufacturing software. Uh, we do have live customers in 35 countries, I think, today. And um, our customers have been enjoying uh, a significant culture change as well as uh, paving sort of a digital path to um, uh, a digital transformation by digitizing that complete operation, everything, everything plant floor. So in regards to the, I'm sorry, how many countries? 35 countries? Uh, 35 countries, yeah. I, I presume these are all uh, uh, culturally and industrial, industrially um, uh, more progressive? Uh, well, I think uh, in some cases you might say that. I think manufacturing has evolved a lot uh, over the last uh, 10, 15 years probably, the quest for low-cost labor and the ability to find a lower-cost uh, labor employee has, uh, has caused manufacturers to move into a lot of lower labor countries that are actually mm -hmm. less technically sophisticated. Uh, but but that's changed quite a bit uh, over the last several years. I think labor is becoming a more neutral item uh, from a cost for labor when you have a significant automation and you're eliminating labor, there's an opportunity to to uh, kind of remove that from the playing field a little bit. And so all of our customers have in, made uh, more and more are making investments in automation and 
and more sophisticated systems because they have to compete globally regardless of where they are and that uh, sure. labor doesn't offset that anymore. Uh, give us an indication as to what your typical customer is like, size-wise, technology-wise, industry, and so on. And then well, we, I, I got a c- couple of questions yeah. after that. Yeah, we have uh, we have a pretty big cross section. We're in a lot of different industry segments. Most of our customers are in the discrete manufacturing uh, uh, operation, where they they have some uh, component they're producing through a value add process. Um, we don't uh, spend as much time with continuous process like petrochemical or or paper mills. Uh, Size wise, we're kind of uh, pretty broad spectrum as well. A lot of our customers are mm-hmm. global multinationals. Uh, names you'd recognize because they also have retail product. And um, in some cases, they're in sort of the small, medium enterprise space that uh, the Department of Labor might define where there are maybe 300 people or higher. Um, but all sorts of industries, food, aerospace, uh, uh, electronics, uh, consumer products, uh, pharma, uh, automotive, anyone who makes Components that we use, touch, or consume, we we tend to work with them. So, what does uh, L two lean do specifically? Well, leading to lean, yeah, leading to lean, yeah, leading to lean's focus is really bringing visibility to abnormality and providing a method of of really leveraging the power of human capital and the and the value of human capital. Uh, while we're a digitization component, where they're we may be an element of their digital transformation or maybe even leading the digital transformation. Um, and, and what that means really is is providing a digital view of everything that's going on in the plant in real time. And and that includes integration of the equipment and integration of the machines. But as importantly, and this is where manufacturing 4.0 and our perspective of, of what industry 4.0 needs to be uh, for manufacturers is to Im- involve or in, in, in engage the human capital and know what those people are doing and how they're contributing value towards problem solving and innovation and arming them with the information to really be effective at that. So do you find that uh, when you go into a particular client or a client comes to you and say, help, I think we need some guidance, uh, do you find that uh, there's much much pushback from uh, the employee sector of manufacturing, uh, making the changes and uh, doing the things that uh, you, they need to do to change and evolve into a different manufacturing uh, aspect. Yeah, I think change is hard for people, right? Uh, we get used to doing things, and I think the the shop floor is no different. I mean, these are people who have done the same job for a very long time, and in mm-hmm. a lot of cases, uh, a very high year of tenure. Um, and uh, and I think the goal is to really uh, change the way they look at their jobs and 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 invest in them. <laughs> and I think they've you know we've marginalized human capital. I think in manufacturing for a long time by not really. Uh, thinking about the best way to arm the workforce with the right information and tools that are going to help them be more effective at what they do. They know the processes very well. They, they've they been doing that job a long time. They know where the issues are as well, but typically don't have a, a great voice with, with leadership or management sometimes because uh, of the chaos and 
and you know the kinds of things that occur. Manufacturers historically have looked at enterprise systems as a as a method that they want people to follow. Well, those methods mm-hmm. may not provide the workforce a lot of value, and they tend not to use them very often. And so when you go to the shop floor, there's a lot of paper and a lot of uh, manual methods that have been improvised to for them to try to still accomplish their job because they do care about what they do and they want to do the right thing. It's just that they may not have the ability to get any value from those systems, so they tend not to use them, and, and they don't reflect the best situation then either because mm-hmm. the truth isn't isn't being captured really effectively well keith uh we try not to throw loaded questions at our guests and i'm not warning you about a loaded question but it may be looked at as font upon so let me ask you this question because it's very current and i think that you're very much in the middle of it and I'm sure you're aware of it, and that is that we have 10,000 people a day retiring or dying and leaving the workforce. We have roughly 4,000 new people coming into the workforce on uh, on a daily basis. So we're running a deficit of about 6,000 employees a day. Uh, We all know that manufacturing's got problems in getting uh, new help that know what they're doing, that have a knowledge base and skill sets. So there's a lot of retraining of uh, uh, from the the old guys who are still on the floor, but they're looking to get out within the year, and they're you know training some newbies. That being said, would it make not would it not make sense that we might look to the immigration? Uh, situation in our country that perhaps we should not be necessarily looking to run them out of the country but bring them into manufacturing as they did in the 1900s, 10s, 20s, and 30s as my folks uh, did when they came to this country. They learned a, a new trade and my father did his trade for 50 years after that. So uh, this immigration thing is, is a very um, very tough situation that we are uh, uh, in, involved in right now. And um, do you have some thoughts on this in, in well, regards um, to what you do? Yeah, so I'm pretty passionate about the uh, the challenges that manufacturing has today and in, in recruiting mm-hmm. a skilled workforce, first of all. And uh, I think this, we call it the silver tsunami that's occurring with the, you know, the, the workforce that's exiting uh, manufacturing. Um, I think the cha- we have a couple of challenges, and, uh, and, and I'll answer your question around immigration in it here, hopefully. I think we have a couple of challenges. One is we have to, we have to create an environment where people want to come into manufacturing and, and do those skilled jobs, and I don't think we've done the best job of that. I think there are some great initiatives that are underway today to educate uh, young people and to get exposure, and, and I think uh, there's uh, sponsorship programs and internships that manufacturers are, are providing to actually train people in the plants as well in, in cooperation with or conjunction with uh, local universities or technical colleges. And I think those are all great things to help draw people in. But the jobs that we're going to ask people to do are going to be different. 
the the folks that are retiring those jobs are probably going to not exist in some form because of the level of right. automation and sophistication but we still have to train people we still have to draw them uh, and so i think the focus should be who you know how can we get the word out more and and cast the wider net uh, from an education perspective and even a recruitment perspective you know, much like the the U.S. military does. I'm I'm retired Air Force, and we had uh, a, a huge emphasis on recruiting young people because 75% of the workforce turned over every four years, and right. and that workforce is very different today. Whether they're immigrate, uh, immigrants or U.S. citizens, it's very different today than it was, you know, even 10 or even five years ago, because mm-hmm. they're much more technically exposed, much more technically adept, and they're the very talent we need in order to drive the innovation and problem solving in these more sophisticated in, uh, plant environments that we see in manufacturing now. And so, so I'll, you're so 100% I'll, right. Yeah, so I, th- I think it's cast a wide net, bring anybody who will come, because that deficit, as you as you just pointed out, that deficit's getting larger every day. And that's going to threaten all of us, right, because we all use products that are manufactured. And it's a problem that, uh, and again, I don't, we try not to go political, but if somebody doesn't do something intelligent, we're in serious trouble. Yeah. It's a challenge, I think. I mean, and as you pointed out in your heritage, you know, this country was founded on uh, immigrants. They're by immigrants. Absolutely. And, and there are so many great contributions. And it's about, you know, being a patriot to me is about people who want to, uh, you know, in, embrace the the principles of of a country and a culture, you know, not necessarily where did they get born across which border. I think that's a little myopic. Well said. Well said. So the, and one thing I'll add too, uh, Lewis, you're kind of forming your next question. I, uh, I think for us, you know, we're, you know, we're passionate about the workforce, and that's why we have this sort of different take on Industry 4.0. You know, we feel right. like the arming the workforce with the information and the tools that can really extract the value they can contribute, because the human brain is something we're not going to be able to duplicate, or I think we're working to emulate that through AI, and and, and certainly automation's emulating that through physical movement, right? Uh, robotics are very prevalent in the manufacturing segment, but I think being able to capture the intellect and being able to make the the analysis or do the analysis and interpret the conditions, we're still a long ways from being able to do that with machines. And a great example, we've had a plant that uses a, our system to signal what they call a, a stop and fix or a Jadoka event, which is a quality event. And and the culture there is we if we see anything that's quality related we want to stop the line and address that immediately so that we're not shipping a, a, a bad product. And this company uh, is the largest automotive safety company in the world. They they do airbags and seatbelts and the kinds of things that protect our lives. And so so they had a, a operator who pulled the cord basically that said stop and fix. And and when they came out they said well what's the problem do you have a problem with the material is there something wrong with the machine. You know, and the answer to all those questions was no. And so it was like, well, what what is the problem? And he points to the floor and he says, you see that part laying there? That shouldn't be there. <laughs> he said, that part on the floor is not part of my process. It gets assembled at some other plan. And the fact that we're using a component that has that in it in part of our process means it came out of one of the products that went through this process, and I have no idea which one. 
And so clearly that's a problem. And uh, and the machine to get a machine to think that way and act on that, I think is going to take us some time. You know, eventually it might occur. I don't know if it'll be in my lifetime, but between now and then, you know, we need people to think and act and and be and take ownership, right? And and be a part of the the problem solving and the innovation and drive that innovation to to continue to improve things. Machines are not going to improve themselves. Where you know they will run great as long as they uh, can run reliably, which doesn't always occur. So we need someone to fix that. But they will not in, invent new methods for themselves. You know that's something that takes the human ingenuity that we have to apply. And uh, and so the human element in embracing that and arming these this next generation of workforce with that kind of information could be a very powerful thing for manufacturers. I think. Well, we have. Uh a long way to go uh, in terms of uh, uh, improving our manufacturing base. Uh, certainly, we cannot live without manufacturing, uh, whether it's this country or other countries. And uh, some of the other countries are, matter of fact, uh, we have our magazine uh, Metals and Manufacturing Outlook easing, which is coming out this week. And the cover story is about the Japanese who are building a four-passenger drone car, and uh, it's it's quite a story on you know how they're doing this, um, and uh, the the Japanese as well uh, because they lost a whole generation in the Second World War. They're the leaders in uh, robotics, so right. uh, you, you have to adapt to what your needs are and. Uh, uh, some very thrilling things are coming out as a result. Yeah, I think, uh, like all generations, necessity is the mother of invention, and and I think sure. uh, you know we're always looking for ways to augment and improve our lives. You know, it's the the, the human quest. I think to you know find ways to to uh, work better with one another, and and uh, and I think you know it's amazing the kinds of things that are coming. You know the fact that we have cooperative uh, environments where you have robots, uh, robots that are armed and are appropriately censored to be safe around uh, a human working right next to them. You know, I think we're oh, yeah. seeing those yeah. things in the industry today, and and it'll continue to mature and evolve, uh, without a doubt. Um, you know, I think the transportation industry is, can, is being hugely affected by, you know, the change in business models through things like Uber and. And Lyft and these companies that are that are uh, ride alternatives means a lot of people aren't buying cars anymore. You know, it's much easier to just, you know, take a service, and and that's going to proliferate the change in human transportation through, you know, drones or, or autonomous vehicles faster than anything probably. I don't remember the number or the percentage, but our facility is located near Manhattan, New York, and there's a huge percentage of people. That no longer have cars. Yeah, it's, they have, it's staggering. Yeah. Yeah, they have no need for it. So you're right. Uh, they probably gave up the horse and horseshoe back a uh, hundred years ago, also. Uh, but it's really amazing how that uh, whole aspect in our lives are changing. Uh, Tim? Keith, back to my question to you about the millennials and Gen Z, what's going to attract them into manufacturing? And in fact, are we already seeing them uh, more seriously considering manufacturing? Lou and I have been talking about this for quite some time. 
and hopefully the the parent mindset is opening up to say, you know, manufacturing might be a good place for you to be. I, I think it's starting to improve the perception of Gen Z is a little bit better, I think, uh, as res- with respect to manufacturing than it was with millennials. And we, we've conducted a couple of surveys, industry surveys, to try to get a, an accurate perspective on on what it's going to take and how people view this industry. Uh, and in our last survey, the Gen Zs were uh, significantly uh, more receptive because they were being influenced by educators at times, although there's still a lot of room for improvement, they were starting to be influenced in a direction towards taking manufacturing careers, uh, which I think is a great first step. Um, I think the the other part of your question around what it's going to take to attract them, we have to change the environment here. You know, we have to we have to educate them about the sophistication that's occurring here because that is the change in environment that's likely to attract them, but we still have some work to do there too. And I think it's in the form of arming uh, or changing our business systems to where they have the ability to collaborate, they have access to significant data, uh, they have the ability to solve big problems, because that's what motivates uh, Gen Z even more so than millennials, I think. I think they've both been exposed you know, to the technical revolution that started back in the 70s, and it's gained pace steadily to the point where you know, Gen Zs and millennials both are so technically adept that if we don't have that environment and that immediate access to things and the ability to collaborate with our coworkers on that level, it's not going to be interesting. And tech has that. A lot of tech industry companies uh, that they can go to work for, they have that today. You know, so we have to compete with that because that's the that's the alternative for a lot of these Gen Zers. So we're excited about what we do because that's that's kind of the focus that we've we've placed on our platform and the way we look at information management is you know arm the arm the guy at the lowest level who's closest to the work and you will see amazing things. Uh, Keith, why don't you give us your uh, website and communication information to our listeners so that they can reach out and uh, deal with you directly? Sure. Uh, Leading to Lean is a a little bit of a mouthful. So L2L, so www.l2l.com is the best way to reach our website. It's uh, uh, the letter L, the number two and the letter L. And um, our our uh, toll free number is eight seven seven two two five five two zero one. Pretty sure that's right. Um, and um, you know we would uh, would love to hear from folks. Um, you know if there's some challenges that they're having in trying to get to the next stage or overcome the day to day obstacles that they have in being in cost quality and delivery. Those are the kinds of things they have to deal with today. You know, we help people overcome that, and we help them get to the place where they can start thinking about some of these other things we've been discussing today. And uh, and I think that's a great path for the industry. So, well, I think this it. is a great. I think this is a great plus for the manufacturing sector. We need to have people such as yourselves who can bring to the manufacturing sector, who's usually too busy to think about how to improve their business. They're just busy manufacturing. So they need the kind of input that uh, you folks can uh, create for them. Uh, Tim? 
And as kind of an extra bonus to our listeners, if, uh, if you folks would like the white paper that Leading to Lean has put out called Are You Ready for Manufacturing 4.0, send us an email to info at mfgtalkradio.com and we'll see that you get a copy of that white paper which covers this very interesting topic and some additional depth. And Keith, we certainly appreciate you being on Manufacturing Talk Radio with us to chat through this issue. I really appreciate the opportunity, and it's been great chatting with uh, both of you, both you and Lou. Thanks very much. Thank, thank you very much. And we've been speaking with Keith Barr, who is the president and CEO of Leading to Lean. Again, their website is l the number two l dot com. If you would like to get more information, again, if you would like a copy of the white paper, send us an email to info at mfgtalkradio.com. Put white paper in the subject line, and we'll feature a copy of their white paper. And we appreciate the opportunity to talk about this is a little bit different from Industry 4.0, and that's what Manufacturing Talk Radio is all about. So stay tuned, come often, and Thank you for listening to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.